tonight we're just going to, need to we're going to dive into a Hebrews chapter 11. And if you would look there with me at verse 1. We'll start in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. We'll read down through here. The scripture says in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declared plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a country that is a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a-dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, as saying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, after they were com uh, compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? 
For the time will fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for what you did in these people's lives when they just believed you. And uh, God, I pray tonight that you'd help us to as we, as we see the, and are reminded of the amazing works that you've done, I pray, God, that we would be encouraged in our faith. And uh, no matter what lies ahead for us, Lord, I pray that we would be a faithful people because, God, we know that you're a great and faithful God. I pray tonight for your help. I ask that you'd uh, guide my thoughts, guide my heart with this, and pray that you'd be glorified in it. I ask in your name. Amen. Tonight in this scripture, in this text, we're going to see two groups of faithful believers. Two groups of faithful believers. The first group are those that received deliverance through faith. They received deliverance through faith. And, um, you know, you can tell this guy's a preacher that's writing it here. He's like, man, time would fail to tell me. He's wanting to tell you all about these different accounts that happened in the Old Testament. But he's running out of time. And so tonight, uh, look at verse 33 with me, if you would. There were those who, through faith, subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions. So this group that received deliverance through faith, they saw awesome displays of God's power. Uh, You think about um, Daniel there in the dead of lions and uh, the way that God shut the mouths of those lions. This is way cooler than anything you would see on the dog whisperer. You know, this is the lion whisperer. Daniel's down there in the den. He's going, and the the mouths of these lions are just stopped. He talks about subduing kingdoms. Um, When you think about, uh, he gave it here in verse number 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down when they were compassed about seven days. I've, I've never seen that in a military manual. You go to West Point and you sit down with those guys. Probably the first strategy on the battlefield is not to walk around the city and hope that the walls fall down. But God provided a great deliverance because they were faithful to what he told them to do. And they found a great deliverance. So you had awesome displays of God's power. I think um, one of my favorites is when Joshua needs more time in the day to go kill the enemy. And he says, God, we're running out of daylight. Can Can you help us? And God says... Well, yeah. And the one who set the stars in the sky and, by, um, and has ordained ordinances uh, of the stars and the moon and the sun, he, he takes the sun back in the sky and gives them more daylight. Awesome deliverances because of the faith that Joshua had in the, in the 
faith that God's people had in the power of God. They saw awesome displays of His power. There were remarkable displays of heroism heroism and valor. Look at verse 34. You had guys that, that they quenched the violence of fire. And right there, we always think about who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want to try... I, I, Anytime I mention their names, I want to try and mention their Hebrew names. Because you remember the Babylonians, they changed their Hebrew names. And we ought to know their Hebrew names. And if I remember right, it's uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those three men stood in that fire, were thrown in there, and by a great deliverance, by faith in God, they, uh, th- the smell of smoke was not even upon them. Um, in verse number 34, he goes on here, They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight turn to flight the armies of the aliens. You know, how many accounts can you read in the Old Testament where God's people, he gave them an amazing victory. You know, Gideon has 300 against the, um, the uh, Moabites. And there are thousands of them. The Bible actually doesn't even number them. It says there's so many they can't even number them. And Gideon's faithful, believes God, takes 300 guys, which is less than 1% of the guys that he started out with when he started recruiting people, God kept telling him, your army's too big, your army's too big, I'm not going to deliver you that way. Gets down to 300, and they go out there, and they, they have an amazing victory over an innumerable multitude of Moabites. You have uh, Samson, takes the jawbone of an animal, takes the jawbone of a donkey, and kills a thousand guys. I couldn't kill a thousand people with a machine gun. And he takes a jawbone, you know, try that with your concealed carry, you know, we should, we should do that, you know, down at the, the, the uh, range next time, you know, just start throwing jawbones at people. Um, and, and what's funny is it's almost, it's so hard for us to imagine that, but this guy was a real guy that really lived and he took a real jawbone and killed a thousand people by the power of God. That's an amazing deliverance, and there were remarkable displays of heroism and valor. And um, it's amazing. Anytime you see a plot or a storyline in some movie or TV show that the world has, I'm amazed at how much more awesome God's Word is. God always has something that is more valiant, uh, it, it's greater, it, it took more of a miracle to do and pull off. Uh, it's just amazing the things that you find in His Word. So then you also see wonderful displays of miracles. For these people that receive deliverance through faith, look at verse 35. Women receive their dead raised to life again. And Elijah and Elisha, we know those accounts of where they're there and these, these women, uh, their children have died. And God provides an amazing deliverance in those families because they simply believe the prophet of God. So here in Hebrews, we have these group, these, these amazing faithful believers who receive deliverance by faith. And man, we could spend, you know, all Memorial Day tomorrow talking about them. And I think it's fun being able to go through this chapter on a weekend like this. And, you know, these are real heroes, people who had real faith in God. But, you know, I want us to spend our time with the second group. You had the first group, they received deliverance through faith. But you know what the next group, what they did? They refused deliverance by faith. They refused deliverance by faith. You see here in verse number 36, he says, uh, or verse 35, women received the dead, their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. 
there were those that were tortured by faith. You know, by faith, Abel, he'd offered up a more uh, amazing sacrifice. By faith, Joshua and the children of Israel walked around Jericho. And then by faith, this guy was tortured, not accepting deliverance. My faith in reading these accounts has been so challenged. Uh, he says in verse number 36, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Imagine that. By faith, he went to jail. By faith, he was put in a courtroom. And uh, what's amazing, um, I, I love it. Letter A, they faced, um, I forgot, I'm used to teaching teenagers, so I'm giving them the blanks to fill in, all right? So make sure you write these in. They don't have a hand out in front of them. Um, they faced torture in trial, verses 35 and 36. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. And we can't help but think about the stories of Obadiah Holmes. You know, we, we've got him there in, the, in our chapel. Um, Tristan did his John, uh, presentation this year on John Waller. And John Waller was in a courtroom listening to the trial of Lewis Craig, who was on trial uh, for preaching the gospel. And you had these guys that by faith they went to trial. By faith, Lewis Craig stood in a courtroom and had an amazing testimony and swearing Jack Waller got saved. By faith, they refused deliverance. Yet John Bunyan spent years in prison. Years in prison. I can't imagine being thrown in jail that long being away from my family. And yet others face that torture. They face that trial and imprisonment. They faced certain death. If you would look at verse 37, they were stoned by faith. Imagine that. Imagine that on his tombstone. By faith, he was stoned to death. You know, we don't think about it that way. But God's here. He says they were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They faced certain death by faith. I can't help but think, uh, if you would, hold your place here and turn over quickly to Matthew chapter four, uh, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And we see here, this is the account of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was a preacher, wasn't he? He wasn't a reed shaking with the wind. And all the men said, Amen. Amen. All right, now you guys got your man card, that's good. Chapter 14, verse 1. At, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. Guys, we need to be engaged with the culture and calling out wrong and calling out sin when we see it, right? John the Baptist, this occurred to me, John the Baptist did not sit there and think, well, if I tell this guy about this sin that's not really culturally accepted, I don't know if he'll receive the gospel. He wasn't really worried about that. He said, what you're doing, having an illegitimate relationship with your sister-in-law, it's wrong and it's sin. And he got thrown in prison for it. So by faith, John identified that sin and ends up in prison. And then we know uh, verse 5 says, And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, before being instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head and a charger. Ah, mother and daughter, man, what a couple right there, right? We'll keep going, verse 9. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat at meat with him, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. 
And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. By faith, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were beheaded by faith and for the Lord Jesus Christ. They refused deliverance. And I can't help but think of this. Um, let me have uh, you three guys. You guys can put your Bibles down. Come on up here. Um, a couple of years ago on the Baptist history trip, we went to Connecticut. And I got to go um, with Pastor to the grave of one of the guys I'm going to talk about here. But uh, you get to be Valentine Whiteman. All right, so you come on over here. So this is Valentine Whiteman. I want to introduce you to a couple preachers tonight. In 1705, just 70 years from the settlement of the Connecticut River towns, a Baptist church was organized in Groton by the Reverend Valentine Whiteman, who removed to that town from North Kingston, Rhode Island. There had been previously a few scattered Quakers and Episcopalians within the limits of the colony, but this appears to have been the first attempt to establish a departure from the Congregational Church order in Connecticut. So Valentine Whiteman, he's the first pastor of the First Baptist Church ever in Connecticut, early 1700s. He remained pastor of the church in Groton 42 years till his death at the age of 66. We're not going to make you die tonight, but he died when he was 66. Um, he was followed in the pastorate after an interval of nine years by his son, Reverend Timothy Whiteman, who retained the office 40 years till his death in 1796 and was succeeded by his son, John G. Whiteman, as John, for, you know, John Whiteman, who was pastor of the same church from 1800 to 1841 when he died. Thus, the three Whitemans, Valentine, Timothy, and John, grandfather, son, grandson, these guys pastored that first Baptist church in Connecticut for a total of 123 years in that one family. Now from Valentine, it says, Of the descendants of Reverend Valentine Whiteman, 19 have sustained the pastoral office with usefulness and honor. What a legacy, right? That's amazing. That's amazing. Will you guys go stand over here for a second? Come over and stand right here. How many of you would say, that's cool, and that, I'd love for my family to say, we all served God for a hundred some years at the same church. All right? Some of you feel like you've been here that long. I told Shauna the other day, I was flipping through, I was trying to call Ty, and I'm flipping through my phone, the, the uh, contacts on my phone. I, go, I think the Blackford is the largest family. They've got the news beat by a couple, couple of the news. I either don't have your cell phone number or you, but the Blackfords, I mean, it's like I'm sitting there scrolling like this just to get through the Blackford family on my cell phone. Man, praise God, that's awesome, right? So how many of you, you'd raise your hand and say, this, this is what I'd want for my legacy. That's awesome. Well, there's one other white man I didn't tell you about. Jake, come on up here, bud. A hundred years prior to this, you've got Edward Whiteman, who's over in England, who is accused before the Bishop of Lickfield in Coventry. I had to look that up. I did a pronunciation thing online, and so I heard some British people say, Lickfield, Coventry. So that's where he's from. And on the 14th of December, 14th of December, 1611, it's something about when you speak British, you automatically sound like you have 50 more IQ points. So that puts me at 49. That's awesome. So you've got Edward Whiteman, December 14th, 1611, was condemned of numerous heresies. The only charges of supposed false doctrine against Mr. Whiteman, about the truth, uh, about the truth of which there was no doubt. So he, he believed these things. 
I want you to think about this. How many of you believe this? Because you would have been condemned as a heretic. He believed that the baptism of infants to be an abominable custom. That the Lord's Supper and baptism should not be celebrated as they are now practiced in the Church of England. The Church of England had corrupted those ordinances. And then, and that Christianity is not wholly professed and, reached, uh, and preached in the Church of England, but only in part. So according to that definition, how many of you are in heretic? Yeah. So Edward Whiteman, holding to those beliefs, was delivered to be burned alive after the custom of the Inquisition, and his body was reduced to ashes on the 11th of April, 1612. You see, before this ever happened, somebody by faith refused to be delivered. I I cannot fathom being burned alive because I believe that babies should not be baptized. Uh, As Americans, we we can't fathom that. But man, praise God, we live in a day in which we can worship with the freedom that we do. But man, let's make sure that gets passed on to these other generations. And so they stand by faith and they're delivered by their faith. Thank you guys, you can be seated. If you look at um, verse number 36, well, let's uh, review here. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. And, and not only were, did they face these trials, not only did they face death, but they faced wandering. They faced wandering. Look at verse 37. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And, and Pastor could tell us about the, the caves. And he, uh, he's shown us the pictures of his uh, trip over to uh, Switzerland where you had Baptists that were there in those mountains that were hiding and worshiping in caves to have their church services. They wandered about. You know what? They didn't fit in. By faith, they didn't fit in. You know what? Our Savior didn't fit in. Matthew chapter 18 says this, And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And we know, we remember he said in John 15, he says, If the world hate you... Uh, go ahead and turn there. Look at John chapter 15. It would be good for us to see this. John chapter 15, and look with me, if you would, at verse 18. Our Lord said, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying... They will keep yours also. The Lord didn't fit in. And He wandered about. And there are times as believers when you keep a godly testimony that you will feel like you just don't fit in. And you know what? That's okay. Because we shouldn't fit in. We shouldn't fit in with this world. We are not of this world. And the Lord... You guys know, remember when He says, uh, keep them from the evil. They're in the world, but they're not of it. 
And if and, and sometimes sometimes teenagers can get caught so caught up in this, trying to fit in, trying to be liked. Listen, you live for Christ, and like Pastor said this morning, Jesus Christ loves you more than any friend could ever love you. And he's got a plan for your life, he has a purpose for your life, and you don't have to fit in. Just live for the Lord. And so they faced a wandering, they faced not fitting in. And if you would look back with me at Hebrews chapter eleven. We saw these. We see these two groups. You've got those that, man, we get real excited about, and you see that by faith they found deliverance. And then there are others that by faith they refused to be delivered. But look at what verse 39 says. And, and I skipped over this. Look at verse 38. Guys, you know, instead of us trying to fit in, look at what verse 38 says. Of whom the world was not worthy. Whom the world was not worthy. You know, the Lord, after John the Baptist is killed, he goes into a desert place apart. And imagine, you know, he's, he's uh, just getting away. And I can't imagine, you know, if one of your best friends was, was killed. I was thinking about it in this sense. If my best friend got killed, I wouldn't want to go soul winning five minutes later. Jesus goes out there into the desert place and every, all these people, these masses, they follow him. And it's such an amazing account of how the Lord did the ministry in the Spirit of God because He sees them as sheep having no shepherd. He sees this multitude and He's moved with compassion. And the disciples, they, 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 uh, He ministers to them all day and then He finally sends His disciples away. Right after He found out John the Baptist had been killed. And He says, you know what, men like that, the world is not even worthy of them. You know, the world, they'll paint these believers that we see them in Hebrews that they're wandering about in sheepskins, you know. Um, we all live in, you know, most of us live here in Sydney, Ohio. How many of you have ever kept an eye on your neighbor? Just kind of looking over there, and uh, I have new neighbors across the street from me, and we're so interested to see how they're going to keep the house, right? Are they going to let the grass grow, you know, to be six foot high? What's going to happen? And the people across from us, they've just done a great job of, you know, pulling weeds and mowing the lawn and this and that. And, um, you know, imagine, you know, somebody looking out and saying, why, why is our neighbor over there in a sheepskin? <laughs> That's just not right. <laughs> These people, they were weird. You know, you got John the Baptist. He's out there in camel skins, eating locusts and honey. He's, every day of his life was man camp. And, you know, I've heard these guys try and say, you know, locusts. Well, locusts in the uh, Greek, if you subtract the Hebrew from the Aramaic, it really means that it was a chocolate bunny. <laughs> like, what? It was a locust, man. He was out there and it was flying around. He was probably like... <laughs> He's like, man, so maybe just because he was shaking, he had to take the honey and get that in there, stick it, make that little locust in there stick. John was weird. As a Christian, you are going to appear weird to the world. You know, those things that the pastor preached on this morning, if somebody was in here and, and they, they don't love the Lord, they don't know His Word, they're lost, none of that will make sense to them. But that's okay. We know the truth, and we're going to, by faith, live that out. Look at uh, verse 39 here. And these all, you know, both groups, whether it's by faith they received deliverance or by faith they refused deliverance, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. You know what? They were all able to receive a good report. All you guys in school, their report card from God was... Good job. Well done. 
and you think about how hard you will work to try and uh, you know get those grades that you get. These people, by faith, when God looked at their report card, He said, "That's a good report," because they had faith. They had faith. Verse forty says, "God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect." So. What about us? Verse twelve, or Chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight, lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, um, remember how much Peter was getting into trouble? And uh, he has you know, gotten right with God, and they're eating fish at the end of the book of John. And he looks over at Jesus and Jesus tells Peter what's going to happen in his life. And Peter, what's the first thing out of his mouth? What about John? And Jesus just tells him, I'll take care of John. Why don't you take care of you, right? I'm paraphrasing there, a huge paraphrase. But here he says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It's amazing. We can't live. We can't run the Christian life for somebody else. We can't run their race for them. We have a race that is set before us by God. Verse two, he says, "Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God." So tonight, you might be in the group that you find deliverance by faith. Uh, you might be the one that y- your faith, it brought you a promotion. It, it, it brought you deliverance in, in one way or another. Some of you might be in the group that you refuse deliverance by faith. That the persecution comes because of your faith. You get demoted because of your faith. Either way, will you stand by faith? And as you do... Your report before God, you'll obtain a good report by faith. And I love it, man. As I think about this message tonight, so many of you have been so faithful. And there have been times in your life when you've been in in one group or the other. And you say, man, I remember this time and it was a great deliverance. And this other time, I didn't think I'd make it through that persecution. Well, let's stand by faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. And thank you for these people that...